We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How are you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, coming at you at the start of what promises to be, well, I shouldn't say what promises to be, what potentially could be a busy week. And um, this is the first bit of content that you are getting from us for that week. It certainly will not be the last. I have a feeling this is probably going to be the most output that we give you guys uh, at any uh, for any week remaining in the season. Um, and we'll get into what exactly is coming your way in a bit. First, I will introduce my uh, my co-host, uh, my my better podcasting half, I should be specific, my better podcasting half, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. Hey, John. I really hope that you don't start a podcast with your wife, because if you did, then, you know, I would either be replaced or you'd be lying to your wife. So. Um, well, I would not lie to my wife. Right, exactly. Um, I want to stay the better half of your podcasting life. Well, so. no, hold on. Just because she's my better half in real life doesn't necessarily mean she'd be my better half in podcasting world. Sounds like you're kind of saying your wife isn't your better half in the podcasting world. <laughs> I'm why, saying, I'm why, saying, why are you throwing D under the bus? Oh my John? Okay. This is see, this is how things, this is how things get twisted. That's why I don't engage. Do not engage. Um, okay. So, uh, we're going to get into, so for a couple things, one, uh, oh, hi, Andrew. How are you? Hey, John. Uh, thank you, Jeremy, for that kick saving a butte that you had there. And, uh, I'm, ha I'm happy to just be the, your podcasting third wheel. I'm okay with, with any third version of this, John. You're like Izzy. She's always she's always there, but often in silence. I I don't want to be your daughter, but if that works for you, John, I can make it work. For try me to keep too. the try to keep the family dynamic here. There you go. Um, so a couple words on on uh, what is to come your way. So uh, obviously this is trade deadline week. Uh, this episode is going to be kind of our usual format, so to speak, where we kind of recap the previous week, talk about what's up, get into some uh, current current events, current issues. Uh, it's going to be a little shorter than usual because we have a second episode coming your way um, to be released uh, soon. It may actually be on your podcast feed right this second, um, it, specifically about the trade deadline. And uh, be sure to check that out as well. We're also going live on the Knicks Film, Film School YouTube channel on Wednesday night, I believe at seven o'clock uh, to take questions, talk about anything that may have already occurred, talk about what we're hearing, talk about what we think might occur. And then, of course, it all culminates on trade deadline day when we are going live um, for the actual deadline at 2 p.m. So, again, lots coming your way. And there's also, by the way, a couple of Nick games this week um, or excuse me, four Nick games this week, but two uh, before the deadline that we will have our usual uh, stuff afterwards. So uh, a lot to do. We're not going to waste time. Let's get right into it. The Knicks played three games this week. Um, they beat the snot out of the Kings. Uh, they put up what I would define as commensurate effort against the hottest team in the league and then lost. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a heartbreaker. I don't know if you want to call it like the nail in the coffin for a lot of people. 
I don't know if you want to call it the most frustrating game of the season. I think you call it a lot of things. I, I think it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder here. Um, but they lost the game that they were up by 21 in LA to the Lakers uh, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Malik Monk. Um, to me, it's about the week you would have expected if you were like, hey, how are the Knicks going to do in the next three games? Um, Jeremy, yes, no, maybe so. I said one and two. They went one and two. I was, I mean, listen, I, it's funny because I was actually messaging with Schwinn beforehand and he said like, is there a world where the Knicks don't get blown out here? And I was like, yeah, they'll probably lose by like seven. And then they lost <laughs> seven. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I wish I had bet on that, but uh, you know, it doesn't matter. So it's, I'm not surprised. They, the fact that they did throttle the Kings was great. And you could say, well, anyone could do that. Uh, the Nets couldn't this week. That's just something to keep in mind. The Grizzlies game again, very they're a very talented team. And then this Lakers team, they, I mean, they, they found a way to come back. Uh, they made the necessary adjustments and they won. Yeah, you know, for me, it was like, wow, this is not fun because I enjoyed when the Knicks were dominating them and they didn't. But it's kind of like, you know, if you're playing the long game here, you can walk away with a silver lining that feels pretty damn good in RJ Barrett. And I think yeah. that was an important factor. So I, was I upset? Sure. I would have liked to win, but at the same time, it's just the same trend continues. We know sort of the direction that the season's going anyway. So I'm not going to lose sleep or get too animated about it, honestly. Um, yeah. I, and I, I don't, I'm not either. Again, the Knicks are now, uh, you, you would think that I would like have this information at the top of my head. What are they? Four or five games under 500. Um, I think 24 and 20, oh, 24 and 29. 24 and 29. So it is five. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Um, and we should say that means they sit a game and a half back. And we're, we're recording this just before 5 p.m. Uh, on Sunday night. Uh, the Hawks play. Actually, the Hawks are going to start their game as we're recording these these couple of pods right now. Um, playing the good old our friends, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, so the Knicks may end this night two games back of the uh, 10th spot. They may end this. Uh, they may end it. Two and a half games, or you know, sorry, they may end at a game back or two games back. One of one of those two options. Um, and then you know they're a little bit further away from teams like Charlotte and Boston and Toronto, and they have Washington between them and ten. Uh, it feels like a fait accompli at this point. Is there what percentage chance? Let's do this. What percentage chance would you give this team of making a run? Forget obviously the playoffs of like attaining a play in spot at this point. 15%. Wow. And listen, that's coming from someone who that's also, slow. yeah, sure. But, <laughs> and granted, I thought there's no chance they'll make the playoffs or play in last year. And they certainly did that. I just think that when you consider how difficult the schedule will be, um, how good the ninth and 10th seeded teams are basically playing and considering just the fact that, they are getting a Derrick Rose back who will need some time to get back into it. He's coming back after the all-star break. That's the end of February. Um, so we're saying really by beginning of March, he kind of starts to regain form hopefully yeah. and looks like himself. Cool. You've got a month of games left. It's not a lot of time. I am fine with that. I'm totally at peace with the idea of them not making the playoffs, but I just, they'd really have to beat some tough competition on the road in places that they haven't won in quite a long time. And that's starting this tough. week, starting this week. Exactly. Right. I mean, again, when you consider the fact that I'll say it every time they play them, the Knicks have not won in Denver since the Bush administration. Uh, it feels like Bush won, but really it was Bush too. Uh, that's the sort of thing where it's like, you have to beat those types of teams in order to, to do what you need to catch up. And it's really tough and especially tough. If you are the Knicks, if you do decide at the deadline to, sell a bit, but we'll get into that at another point. But yeah. even if that's the case, it's tough. It's a very, it's an uphill battle that I don't think this team is equipped to do saying, and I say that knowing full well that last year they did it. So respect to that team, maybe they do it. <laughs> they A lot worked out in their favor last year than I think yeah. will work out this year. And that is the key difference. And the number one being Julius Randle. He was a God last year. And this year he is not 
<laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's tough to, it's it, what we're trying to do here today is a little bit difficult trying to separate out the trade deadline of it all. And then the way they're playing of it all, because the, the two things do really kind of bleed into one another. Um, just as far as the standings go though, you know, you mentioned how the other teams are playing. Charlotte actually has lost four in a row again, as we're sitting here recording this right now. But again, like, you're going to get that with the Hornets. I feel like sometimes because they don't really play defense, but they do play offense and they're still a great offense. They still have that to rely on um, each and every night. I don't see them coming back to earth. The Hawks are again, eight and two in their last 10 games. Uh, That's pretty good. The Boston Celtics have a, I think the seventh or eighth best net rating in the league for the year, not for like a month or two months for the year, for the last like two months, it's top five. They are flying high. I don't see them coming back to earth. And then you got the specter of Washington out there who who knows what dumb shit they're going to. I say that as I hope we do not do dumb shit to to satisfy win now goals that are misplaced. But like Washington has Bradley Beal obviously coming up on unrestricted free agency. They may make a they may make a big time win now um, move, you know, so all of these things are lining up. Um you know, as far as like, does this mean it's tank season? I don't even know what that means because all of the, if you, like the, the Venn diagram of like things, things fans think Tom Thibodeau should do to win games and things fans want in lieu of tanking. It's like, it's, it's kind of the same circle. Maybe it's a little, little bit of, you know, separation on one end, separation on the other end, but it's not that different, you know? So uh, I think really, it, again, it has to do with what they do in the next uh, four day, five days or four and a half days. Um, and it comes down to that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You want to talk about the Lakers game before we, we give out some uh, some game balls? I think that'd be wise. I, I would bring in Andrew for this one. Hello, Andrew. Hi, John. So again, you, so, again. So you were you were around for uh, the Lakers post game, which was our longest post game of the year. Yeah, what happened? I don't know. I was just kind of blacked out for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I. I uh, what happened was a lot of people came in hot, hot and hot and ready, hot and bothered, hot and bothered um, about a topic that again, this is my own fault, I guess, for not ever going on social media during games, other than to send out the occasional tweet. But people were were very uh, angry at one uh, head coach of the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, which I was not, I did not expect in the least. Um, but, uh, and I, yeah, so I was kind of taken aback by that. And, uh, yeah, I, I did not, I did not see that one coming, but that's where it was. And I guess I'm, I've been thinking about it all day and I don't, I get it. I get it. It doesn't frustrate me any less. It actually frustrates me more with 24 hours, uh, to think about it more. So I'm just, I'm curious, like, where, where do you guys fall on this? That's what I want to know. I fall on the side 
that is opposite to you. I, okay. I wouldn't say it's, 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 if it's a spectrum where it goes from Tibbs is a saint and I sacrificed my own mother for him and uh, I hate Tibbs and I'd sacrifice his mother if I could. It's definitely much more towards the side of odd analogy. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this. At this I don't, point. I no don't want to kill anyone's mother. Uh, point being here. Sure you don't. I, I don't. That's on the record. Thank you. I don't want to see Tibbs fired. I here, here's. Oh. I just want to start there. Let me a generous let me start there. Of course. But I want to start okay. there. And the reason I want to start there is because there are people who may feel that way. There will likely come a point where just based on the nature and business of basketball, that the way that the Knicks and Tibbs separate is by the Knicks firing Tom Thibodeau. And I can understand the people's mindset right now who are saying fire Tibbs. And then when, let's say, if that eventually happens, saying, see, I was right. I knew all along. And to that, I say, again, that's like, that's fine. If you want to act that way, go for it. But you also have to consider the fact that th this is now not the time to say fire tips. There are things that need to be worked on, but we're not there yet. Um, the reason I say that is because I think we do need to kind of step back and collect. Last night, I thought that there were, <laughs> I thought there were missteps that kind of, shined through that had been existing through the season. Like what? Um, well, honestly, I thought that giving Emmanuel quickly five minutes was egregious. I understand his okay. play was not great. Uh, I also, you know, I, I you, you know what Emmanuel Cook has been shooting for the last 12 games? I'm aware. I'm aware. Do you know, uh, can we say the number? If you'd like to say the number, go he, ahead. He's shooting 29% from the field and 29% from three. I know again, it's bad. I'm not saying and 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 what do we always praise him for? That the unheralded part of his game is defense. Um, I I want to see the woodshed that um, Austin Reeves took him behind and beat the ever living shit out of him in those five minutes in the first half because there's some blood spattered on those walls. Sure, that's all I'm going to say about Emmanuel Quickly's first half. That's fine. It was also five minutes. I know it was five minutes worth. I, like this is the thing, right? And I I did watch your post game and. I I'm sorry for that. No, it's fine. Uh, it's, it's homework. I had to do it, but it's the sort of thing where you were talking about Kemba and yeah. you were saying how it's basically all in the front office for acquiring Kemba. But, and, but that's sure. Yeah. Fine. Right. And I'm just kind of sitting here thinking like, granted, Kemba is not the player that we want him to be. No, it's very obvious. Yes. But it also to me is like, well, Kemba talks about how difficult things are. And we know that one of the things Kemba does extremely well is running the pick and roll. Yes. And he has not been running the pick and roll. And I can tell you right now, the front office did not sign Kemba Walker to not run the pick and roll. And Kemba Walker did not come to the Knicks to not run the pick and roll. And I looked at it, right? So the week before this one, Kemba averaged 5.7 pick and rolls per game as a lead ball handler, which is not a lot when you consider the fact that going back, he'd run, you know, 10 a game, 11 a game. This is bread and butter. Exactly. And then this past week, Kemba ran six pick and rolls in total through three games. Yeah. He went two games where he was completely scoreless. Yep. And to that, I just wonder how that is entirely on the front office. I'm not excusing the front office for bringing Kemba Walker in, but to me, it kind of feels like if I gave you a hammer, some nails and hooks, right? And I told you to hang pictures oh, and instead of using, instead of using the hammer, you try to use it as a screwdriver and the, the nails are not going in and you're upset at me because I didn't give you a screwdriver and screws. And that's the thing. You have to use Kemba Walker in the way that he is designed to be used. Otherwise you render him obsolete in a lot of ways. And then it creates all sorts of other problems, right? Like, RJ is thriving in spite of Kemba Walker's play. And if Kemba yeah. can go two whole games without scoring a single point, then I don't know how we can say like, well, it's all in the front office and Emmanuel quickly did not deserve to play when a lot of these guys, a big reason they were losing was because of the fact that they were tired. 
and they were things were falling short. Shots were falling short. And listen, if Quentin Grimes plays better, and I think that's also important. Um, I would have liked to have seen yep. Obi Toppin. I thought the fact that Nerlens Noel was playing excessive minutes uh, was pretty terrible, especially Which, when you consider the fact that you could even still play Obi and Randall together. But he well, doesn't want to do that. But which, by the way, I did say at the beginning, the first one of the first things I said post game was I thought Noel played too many minutes. And then I went back and watched the film. And lo and behold, uh, guess who everybody's favorite, right? Mitchell Robinson. Guess who you could spot on the film doing the same shit he always does and just jogging back in transition. You know, not because he doesn't he's not caring, not because he doesn't try hard. It's just because that's the kind of shape he's in. And Nerlens Noel doesn't generally do that because at least he gets back now. Speaking of woodsheds, I want to see the one Anthony Davis took him behind because that is going to be even uglier. Um, I'm just saying there are there are two sides to every story. That's all. Anyway, continue. Uh, sure, there are two sides, but it's the sort of thing where it's not this mindset of scapegoating Tibbs. It's it's basically just saying if you're going to celebrate what he's accomplishing and say that's a, a cause of coaching, then when things go south, then you need to say, oh well the coach has to be responsible to an extent. And I, I yeah. think that's the key thing here where it's like Tibbs one coach of the year. He did a great job last year, but does that mean when things go South in the second half of this game that we basically say like, no, Tibbs is, is not at fault. It's on the players. And granted the players do have to make shots. Right. But we saw them getting death by a thousand paper cuts and especially by Malik Monk and Kemba Walker is still out there for eight minutes. You got to make a switch then, at some point. And then he didn't come back in the game. And so then well, the that damage you, was, but the damage was done. They were yeah, already then back that, in it. Well, you need to, you need to close out the game. You need to play the remaining, however many minutes of the, of the second half. And in this game, obviously there was overtime. So then it goes to the question of like, okay, well you could have, again, it's, you could have quickly play those minutes. So essentially Tibbs was saying, I would rather see Kemba Walker play an extra two to three minutes then give quickly a chance to redeem himself after an iffy first half, as opposed to the decision he made, which is that, well, Kimba Walker was out there for the um, 42, most of the 42 point first quarter. And he was out there also for came back into the six minute mark of the second quarter. And then for about four minutes, the Knicks looked pretty good. He had a three, um, you know, and then last two minutes of the first half, that's when things start to fall apart. So you're, so you're picking and choosing. I listen, I don't want I don't want to ever see Kemba Walker in, on a Nick court ever again. I completely agree with that. But I also am sitting here acknowledging that I am saying that from behind a microphone and I am not privy to any of the things, any of the knowledge that Tom Thibodeau is privy to. And that's really the only thing that I look we could get into would would quickly. Should he have played in the second half? Should Grimes have played a few minutes more? Should Burks have played a few minutes less? Should uh, this anything? Is that why they lost the game or did they lose the game because LeBron James and Anthony Davis were LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Malik Monk looked pretty freaking good. By the way, Kemba wasn't guarding them for all 29 of those points. Like, that's why they lost the game. And they lost the game because the Knicks hit six threes in the last 49 minutes of the game. That's why they lost. Okay. They didn't lose because of all this little quibbling shit that we're talking about. And I disagree. I, they, they're I, all factors. I, I, they're I, all I, parts of the Of, of course, the they're all factors. So then and how my, can you say that it doesn't matter and doesn't have an effect on And how can you it say that it does, it does definitively? That's my point. How can you you're saying, how can I say that it doesn't matter definitively? And I'm asking you the same question. How could you say that those again, if you are I'm saying pointing, it's a part of it, I'm saying all of this adds up. How to do we losing know the game? I'm just how saying the tips. What do you mean? How do we know? We saw we have the film. We saw the fact that there are no substitutions. We saw we saw the we saw the outcome that happened. We right. didn't see because it's impossible to see the alternative outcome of what would have happened if he had done X, Y, Z, A, B, C. I'm not looking for an, for an alternative ending, John. I don't, we don't have to play make believe. Of, oh, the they point? It's, what do you mean? What's the point? They're all factors. I don't understand how Tom Thibodeau has no blood on his hands from this type because of game. I'm not. Okay. Let me be very clear. Tom Thibodeau has the same amount of blood in his hands as Julius Randle, as Alec Burks for throwing a shitty pass as Nerlens Noel for not playing with any physicality for quickly for, looking terrible for Grimes for missing all this. Everybody's blood in their hands. When you lose a game, everybody is equally responsible. People did not do their job to an adequate degree. At the same time, the Knicks are not anywhere near as talented as the team that they lost to. And after 48 minutes of regulation, they were tied with that team. But let's put that aside for a second. Everybody has blood on their hands. We could agree with that. Has Tibbs coached a good year? No. That's why I gave him a C when I graded him at, mid at midway through the year. My point is this. When people come on and say, this is on Tibbs. 
That is ignorance. And it's quite frankly, arrogance. And that's what drives me. And that is that is what drives me up a wall. No. And this is why it drives me up a wall. It's arrogance for this reason. We are privy to one fifth, if not less, of the knowledge that he is working from to say nothing of one twentieth of the act. His life around this sport, I ask you or anyone listening to go back and think about any job you've ever had. I don't care if it was your first job as a dishwasher in a bar whatever it was. And imagine someone who comes in and says, you know what? I think you're doing that the wrong way. Here's the way that you should do it. And think about what you thought. Now multiply that exponentially to a degree that it takes to have gotten to the point that Tom Thibodeau is in his career as someone who is universally regarded as not a decent NBA head coach, but a good to a very good, I'm not a great head coach, but again, how many great head coaches are there? Greg Popovich, greatest coach of all time. Look at what some of the people have been saying about him over the last several years. Uh, Rick Carlisle, I remember when his name was routinely mentioned among the top three, four coaches in basketball. How's he been looking the last few years? Pat Riley once started a season uh, 10 and 40. I just read in uh, Blood in the Garden, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who we canonize as a saint. All the times where he would go and give, you know, um, try this move, try that move. Nothing worked in the 99 season that we lionize as this wonderful thing. Terrible regular season job. Blood on his hands. I could go on and on and on and on and down the list. Every coach, you're as good as your talent. You're as good as your talent. The Knicks don't have enough of it. And for every, oh, he could have done this, that, the other thing. We don't know what the outcome is. And I find it egregious that people have the nerve to get on their soapbox and say, well, I know better. No, you don't. Because you don't have the same knowledge base. You're seeing this outcome. You don't see the outcome that didn't happen because it didn't happen. Maybe it could have gotten better. Maybe it would have gone worse. We don't know. And that's my point. You want to say he coached a bad game? Say he coached a bad game. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But to say Tibbs is the reason we lost this game? Egregious, arrogant, ignorant. But I think you are, I think you're taking something that people say and then making it as if that's the only root of their of their cause. Yeah, but saying, I, I take people at their Tibbs, word. I'm sorry. I take people at their word. If they say Tibbs is the reason we lost this game, then I take their comment to mean Tibbs is the reason we lost this game. Not LeBron James or Anthony Davis or Miss Shots or all the or Julius Randle, maybe not getting back in transition or Mitchell Robinson jogging up court and all this other bullshit. No, 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 no. It's the five minutes that this player played and not that player. And the, come on. But you're taking people, a general fact, and then kind of mushing all of the opinions into one thing of this I'm, is I'm, all I'm, on Tibbs. And that's not what people are saying. That's not what I am saying. It is okay, the fact but, that but there are things that <laughs> that's fine. This is not meant for you. But when you told me that you thought Tom Thibodeau was the reason the Knicks lost this game. Come on. He is a reason why it happened. Yes, he's one of right, but, but that of is reasons. the point. That is the point. It, okay, then we're in agreement. He did not. He did. He coach his best game. No, he didn't coach his best game. He, you know how I know that bad game. That's, that's the point. Even still, even if they had hung on, right, people are still going to be upset about it. And rightfully so. They deserve to be upset. about. It. You can give credit to the other team, right? You can say they played really well. You can give credit to Frank Vogel. He did a great job adjusting in the second half. They found Malik Monk. The Knicks did not. They, they're still looking for ways to stop him, it would seem, right? But yeah, it, it, kept, it kept evaporating. That's the crazy thing, right? And if you say, okay, well, we can look at all these adjustments for the fact and, and the, the hypotheticals of this, that, and the other thing that could have happened, you could do the same thing with the things that actually went well, right? You could say, well, there are good things that happened. Well, what happens if they didn't go well? And you'd say, well, but they did happen. They were good. So it doesn't, you can't have it both ways. You just can't. What do you mean have it both ways? I don't even know what you're saying. I'm saying. The result, here's the thing. Can I, I have to say one other thing. This to me is like, you know, it, I was thinking about analogies for this and all the ways I could have gone with this conversation. And what I, something I kept coming back to was my, my previous job, my previous life when I was a miserable attorney. And like, you know, people go to school for years and spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to train themselves to be lawyers and this, that, and the other thing. And they go and make careers out of this thing. And you know what it is at the end of the day, 95% of the time, if case is a good case, probably going to win the case. Case is a shitty case, probably going to lose the case. I think the same goes with NBA games and coaching and players. And 90 to 95, can, can, can a coach give an edge? Absolutely. And oftentimes the coach that gives the best edge gets rewarded at the end of the year. Tom Thibodeau was given a group of players that weren't particularly good last year. He turned that players, that group of players into something better than the sum of its parts. One coach of the year. 
was recognized as the best at his job for that reason for that year. Does that mean he was the best NBA coach in the league? Of course not. It was a circumstantial thing. Are there truly terrible NBA coaches? Yes, there are truly terrible NBA coaches. Are there NBA coaches who are holier than now and that like never screw up and like are always coaching good games? Honestly, like I was thinking about who's the best coach in the league today. Would you say it's like Nick Nurse, Eric Spalestra? I remember Eric Spalestra once started off 10 and 31 in a season. I remember last year, Nick Nurse had a lot of the same players he has this year. Minus Scotty Bonds, minus Scotty, Scotty Barnes, plus Kyle Lowry. How'd that team do? But finished with the seventh worst record in the league or ninth worst. How did how did that 10 and 31 Miami Heat team do? They rebounded, and you know why? Because Eric Spolstra stuck to his guns. It's Spolstra. whatever. (laughs) He stuck to his guns and he believed in what got him there and he didn't divert. And what we're seeing right now from Tom Thibodeau is a man who's sticking to his guns. Will it work out? Probably not. But Spo, (laughs) what Spo does is he is much more adaptable in terms of the talent of his players. That's the, that's a huge thing where for Tibbs, it's who fits Tibbs Maybe. system. And Maybe. for Spo, it's you do this really well. I'm going to game plan around that. That's, and I think that's, that's a very that's totally important fine. distinction. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, why he's a better coach. And that's he is a better coach. I'm, I would never dispute that. I, right. I think Spo's the best coach coaching in the league today. Um, you know, when you what you just said, a guy who's inflexible, you could look at some of the things Pop has done over the years as being inflexible. Again, it's widely regarded as the best coach the last 25 years. Um, my my. And just one other thing on the Kemba pick and roll thing. We're all, we all like to think that Tibbs is in control of all this. Now, if you want to tell me that Tibbs should be in control of how the offense runs at every minute of every game. And because he can't be in control of that, that is a demerit on his record. I'd be more willing to hear that out than I would the other argument, because I completely agree with you. Kemba's being absolutely wasted how he's used, but you know, who's probably smart enough to know that is Tom Thibodeau. And this is when I go back to the thing that I said before. There are there is a knowledge base that we are not operating from uh, things going on behind the scenes and and considerations that are being given to things that we are simply not privy to sitting I in understand. the chairs that we are. Listen, I get that. I, I completely understand that's the case. And yet we, we can't just say, oh, well, because we don't know them, we can just chalk it up as like it's out of Tibbs's hands. I'm not. That's the thing. I, but but it comes across as, as I'm saying it's a factor. I'm saying it's a fact. I'm saying all of these things are factors. And again, the reason I want to be very clear, the, the, the part that gets me so agitated is when the, the, the commentary comes off as so black and white. And I understand, look, that's my own fault for not embracing the fact that we live in 2022 and gray is not a color that exists anymore. And it is either black or white. And if a team loses a game, I must pick one thing that I am mad about. And that is the thing I'm going to be mad about. And I must be, a thousand percent agreed at the thing, you know, and, and that's my own fault for like not taking these things with a grain of salt. But again, I read the comments as they are. So that's kind of why I got to the place that I got. And I also think it's ridiculous to think that they would have won the game. If like little, this little thing or that little thing, but you never I know. Don't. Maybe they Listen, would have. It's a game. It's, it's not a game of inches. That's football, but it, like, <laughs> Oh, you take one shot. One shot can be the difference, right? Listen, I'm not going to blame Tibbs. No, one shot was the Knicks difference. keep mi- keep missing free throws. That's not on Tibbs. That's on the players. It's on the players. Maybe it is on Tibbs. Maybe well. maybe he should practice free throws more. Hey, but but I guess the the big thing here as well is right. Like the direction of where the Knicks go is fascinating to me, and it's it's something that we'll have to follow based on the fact that if the Knicks do go in a direction where they eliminate the level of talent, right, or that they they purposely take a step back. Are we then getting to the point where we acknowledge that there is, you know, even more of a lack of talent? And when they lose games, it's like, well, the front office took toys away from Tibbs. And when they win games, it's, well, look at what Tibbs is doing. He's doing a great job yeah. with the pieces he has, in spite of the fact that there's no. Okay. I just, I think there that's, are that's there fair. are ways to to. <laughs> Spin isn't the right word, but there are ways to form your arguments based on what you want to see. And I understand that it's you could do it with anything. But I just I think I don't think that it's completely I'm not saying you're, you're going this direction. Right. But I just there's more to it in that grayness where if you're as you're saying, if you're saying that people are saying this is on Tibbs. Maybe you're perceiving it as black and white, but maybe the feelings of emotions in the heat of the moment are also like it is gray. But this is the thing that, that people can verbalize the most. And, 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 and that's I, the challenge, because, again, it's it's consolidating hundreds, if not thousands of opinions. I mean, it's thousands of opinions no, 
and funneling it into one thing. And the thing that's output is this is solely on Tom Thibodeau. I'm telling you, that's not how people are going about it. It's, it's really just, I understand. There were a lot of things that went wrong. Tibbs did not do <laughs> the things that could have helped this team seal the game and the players didn't cooperate. And I am, and, and, and I am saying that, that that is an assumption because we, we can't, we, we don't know because we can't know. But it's not an assumption. It's not an assumption to say that all of these parts. You just said <laughs> you it. You can't that- say that if that if this, that, or the other had been done differently, the Knicks win the game. You can't you say, can that say no what can didn't say that. go. You can say what didn't go well, and then of propose alternative. Right. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yes. Okay. So then we're on the same page there. Whether we are or we not, I want to move the hell on. Andrew, anything else before we get move on from this topic? I, I listen. Um. So, John. We love you. Obviously, you know that this is not. I, I just have to make this clear for people that just watch the last twenty minutes because they also understand what's happened in Nick's content creation world. We're still like good disagreement is healthy, and this will be okay. Mom and Dad will be at dinner for the oh me and Jeremy. Well. Yes, I just let me just get the disclaimer John, out of the way. I love you like a brother. Yes, okay. I hate all of you. Well, the That's truth fine. is out, Jeremy. Um, John, I've watched every single one of your post games this year, and. Yes. I, you just conceded to Jeremy something you haven't done all year. And Which it's is that what? part uh, Tibbs can be responsible for part of the problem. The thing, oh, sure. Said, right. But what you said yesterday when I texted you to take a deep breath was that anything on this coach is wrong. You were dismissal of anything that could have okay, been. Okay. Well, that was, that coach. was incorrect. Which is what the fan base or people that have been watching us are frustrated by that. Anytime we say this is partly on Tibbs, you go, no, it's on the players. Well, and yes, we, Jeremy and I agree with you yeah. that there is a portion that we don't see, but we also don't see what's going on in Julius Randall's life. And you have a paper plate covering his face. So we feel yes. perfectly fine criticizing yeah. him. Yet we have no idea what's happened in his life. That's caused him to change certain things. We have no idea what's going differently with the players. That's caused shooting slumps. What I do know yeah. is that the Knicks had a 15 point lead going into the third quarter and they didn't yeah. make a substitution until after two timeouts and they were down by one. So I can yes. say that the Knicks lost because LeBron James and Anthony Davis went LeBron James and Anthony Davis mode. But another factor is that when the dam was breaking in Tibbs called two timeouts and made no adjustments to try and fix that. And yet he- at four minutes, he did make an adjustment. He put Burks in for Kemba and it worked. The tide settled, which is all people are asking. And the most frustrating part I felt is not that like he wouldn't make an adjustment. It's that I knew he wasn't making an adjustment until the four minute mark because this is the rotation he runs every time. Frank yes. Vogel knew like the way we're going to be able to come back in this game is like double team Randall. He said in that timeout and just like wait for them to make mistakes because he knows exactly what Tibbs is going to run. There's no adjustment. Coming. Well, it, that's, that's all well I'm and, trying to, that's, that's what I'm trying all, to say. That's is that all fair? well and good. That's all mm-hmm. well and good. It, it's on the players to, to when they did not play with the same pace and urgency as they did in the first half. Do you think Tibbs was like, okay, guys, we're going to come out in the third quarter. We're going to slow it down. We're going to slow things down. We're going to try to be a little bit more methodical. Of course he didn't say that because he says the same thing after every game. We stopped playing with pace. Right. And we stopped playing with urgency. Stop playing with pace. Hold on. Hold on. They stopped playing with pace. And in that third quarter, after playing the pace that they did, you'd think a team like that should probably stretch out their rotation. So that way they're not exhausted come third and fourth quarter. Also, what does that say if, if the Knicks are playing with pace and then they're not in terms of coaching, are the, are the players just now unreachable? Is that the case where Tibbs doesn't have a hold? No, I think, I think that's saying the, what they can do. I think that's the difference between good players and great players. And I think the reason why Julius Randle has revealed himself to be not a great player this year is because he does not have, whether it's the mental fortitude or just the capability to check in with himself throughout the course of a game and being like, I'm getting back into bad habits. Of course he hasn't because he's played entire games with bad habits, bad habits that he's shown throughout the entire course of his career. And he finally got out of a little bit last season, but actually really, he kind of didn't, he was just hitting shots. Like he's, there is evidence of growth here. Like the first half he played last uh, against the Lakers, I would argue that that's as good a half as he's played. Forget about this year as good a half as he played last year too. Because he was going to the basket, he was making quick decisions, he was pushing the pace, he was de- making life easier for other people. Like that is the evolutionary version of Julius Randle. And then things started to get tough. And what did he do? Slowed it down. And it wasn't even all on him. In regards to the Kemba thing, again, I think that's purely because he knew he wasn't going to finish the game with the guy and he was trying to just survive 
until he could sub Burks into the game. And he did survive until he could sub Burks into the game because he sub Burks in and they were roughly tied or they were down by one or two. Should it have gotten to that point? Of course it should not have gotten to that point. But again, this is a team playing without a point guard right now because the way Kemba's playing, it's not a point guard. And again, that's a personnel issue. But this goes to Andrew's broader point, which is the whole thing of you just talked about Randall and and trying to get into his head. And we're, we're, we're analyzing the players and thinking about every little nook and cranny, but we're not doing the same for Tibbs. And the thing about with Kemba, so a lot of, this is a, a, a dark thought, but a lot of people who die of dehydration in the desert actually die with water bottles and, and you know, can't, whatever it is, canteen, whatever it is, mostly full because they try to conserve their water mm. the best they can. Well done. And yeah. that is what you're saying about Kemba Walker. And, that, and the Knicks are dying because of it in this type of a game because they're basically saying, oh, well, I'll just hold on to this water. No, you drink the water. You have to drink the water or else you will die of dehydration. And that is the problem for me. It's that Tibbs is basically saying, I got this, this water bottle and I could use it whenever I want and the lead is gone and now I'm dead. That is how it feels. Okay. That's how it feels. What I am saying is there, are, there may be other considerations that we may not be privy to. But you're saying that, and then you're still talking about Julius and, and not ex, you're not examining that there may be other I, things. We oh, I, I completely acknowledge that there are considerations with Julius that we're not privy to. But, then sure how, cons- but how can one be used against one and one be ignored for the other? I'm That's not ignoring anything. It's all, it all factors in. But, and, that, and, but, but you're saying it, you're, you're giving Tibbs a bit more of a pass than you are with the players. And I understand that the players are the ones playing. I am, but Tibbs yeah, is also the one coaching. They're, yeah, but I'm giving him more of a pass. They're all connected. I'm giving him more of a pass for this reason. Uh, and I do give him more of a pass. And I'll acknowledge that. And I give him more of a pass for this reason. It's that it's very interesting to me that, again, we, could, we see the players, right? We see what the player is doing wrong on the floor. The blame is obvious there. And I feel like sometimes it is more convenient for folks to be like, well, it's I, I don't really want to, you know, acknowledge the truth of it, which is that we're just not a very good team. Um, and I'd rather, you know, I'd rather blame th- this boogeyman over here because there it's like this thing that could be the case. Right. It's not a certainty. The players sucking and missing shots and like not getting back on you. That's all a certainty. The other part of it, the Tibbs part of it is that's that's like more amorphous and it gives you a little bit more leeway and it gives you another thing to blame other than having to look yourself in the mirror and be like, Hey, we're, I'm a fan of a shitty basketball team. Cause that's never fun to do. And I think for a lot of people that is at the heart of it. Yeah, but John, but uh, go ahead, Jeremy, go ahead. Jeremy. No, just the one thing is that I can't tell you how many trade proposals I have seen online about trading Julius Randall. Right. Okay. And then, you know, February 3rd comes around and people are throwing parties. Like it's February 3rd. This is the day that Randall's eligible to be traded and confetti's everywhere. And then of course he's not traded. I, I have a come. I know where you're going with this, but why no proposals to fire Tom Thibodeau? That's the, that's the uneven ground. Okay. My response to that is because when you're trading Julius Randall, if you're trading Julius Randall, if you're a smart organization, which we hope the Knicks are, you're getting something significant back of value. That is a known quantity because you have film on that player, that known quality quantity that you're getting back, you know, kind of the value of a draft pick you may be getting back on such a trade with Tom Thibodeau. And this is, again, gets at the heart of why this stuff aggravates me so much. We have had so many known quantities as coaches come in here with accolades upon accolades upon accolades and proceed to coach a team that could not give a flying fuck about putting forth a requisite amount of effort on a basketball court. I have watched it for the last 20 years as you have, Jeremy. And this guy came in and say what you want about last night, 50, whatever game, four games under 500. They're still playing their asses off. But John, I, what I was trying to say, because I was not finished, was it's not about firing Tibbs. It's just at this point about, <laughs> about blame. I'm not saying that people are, are throwing out, you know, I'm not saying the group of fans or or the fan base is saying get Tibbs the hell out of here. That's not the point. Some We're talking are, about besides the point. No, it's let not. Him, listen, th- there is something different about saying let's get Julius Randle the hell out of here versus this game is on Tibbs. This season has not been great, and Tibbs has been a factor. Those that, that is the key difference here. It is not you know let's get Tibbs the fuck out of here. 
you have to have a solution. I agree in terms of Tibbs. It shouldn't just be when things start to get hard, you fire the coach. And that's no. why I have not been suggesting that. It's the fact that there has to be criticism and that's sure. fine. There should be criticism. Fine. But for Julius Randle, it's let's trade this man for a bag of peanuts. I don't even care. I, Again, I don't want to do that. I know you don't. I'm saying at the heat of the moment. People know that people, you know, everything seems worse when things are going badly. I, of course, but it's, it's the difference of like, it's one thing to say Julius Randle needs to go and Tom Thibodeau did not do what needs to be done in order for the Knicks to hang on and win this game. That's it. That's all it is. It's uh, not a serious, uh, okay. it's, it's, it's not like we're questioning him as a coach. I'll give you we're this just questioning the decisions that he's made okay. or has uh, not made. That's I'll it. give you this. I'll give you this. Any back to my any profession analogy, and hopefully we could f- close this loop. Anybody, when confronted about something that they do with their job, if they are in a room and they have a quiet moment with themselves, would probably admit, you know what, that person may have had a point. Any job you've ever had, any job any of us has ever had, we know that there's things that we're not good at. We know that there's bad habits we do. We know that there's things that we just that are not our strength. Um, or at least most people have that kind of self-awareness to be able to know that. Um, I think back to, again, Jeff Van Gundy on, on the pod when I you know, was joking with him about his first starting lineup in his first game as coach and saying it was stupid then and it's stupid now. Um, like coaches make mistakes. Coaches are not perfect. Tom Thibodeau is not perfect. Tom Thibodeau makes mistakes. Um, and did that inflexibility perhaps contribute to the loss last night? Absolutely. Um, my, I agree with like 98% of what you're saying, it really just does come down to me with the, for, with the, just the visceral way that some people, not you, some people go about expressing their displeasure with this coach. That's all it is. And it really does get me heated because again, of all the things that I've said, and particularly the thing that I just referenced a minute ago about how I just want to see a basketball team try. I understand not everything's perfect, but just try. He gets them to try. Um, and that to me is worth its weight in gold. And it's why I don't want to see him go any anytime soon, because I am afraid of what's like the grass not being greener on the other side. That's all. I hear and, you. And he's also a pretty good coach. Yeah. Maybe not last night, but he's a pretty good coach. 100%. I, I think it's more that we all have eyes for when we're watching the games. Yes, we do. And people see what they want to see, but they also oh, can course. see what's in front of them. And then it's the fact of hearing how it's not what they're seeing. And to an extent, it's like, it's questioning yourself. And it, it, it I, I might go so far as to say that it might even feel like gaslighting to some in the sense of like, I saw it. What do you mean that it's not apparent? It, it's there. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's just, it's acknowledging that this is going on and I think that that's what's mo- what's so important to people is the idea that they're seeing something and it's just they're being told that. And, not I, and I will I will again lean on the other unseen, which is the things that we don't know. Number one and two, if you're going to make one move, there has to be another move. So, again, Kemba's going to come out four minutes earlier. I guess Burks is going to come in four minutes earlier. That means you're going to have to grab at least four or five minutes to sub Burks out at some point in the second half. That means you're probably putting quickly in for those minutes. Getting back to is a guy who's shooting under 30% for the last 12 games versus Kemba Walker, who at the very least, all the things he's doing wrong is not shooting that poorly. And the Knicks last night after or against the Lakers, they needed to make shots because once the Lakers started switching anything, you needed guys who were going to make shots. Manuel quickly can't hit a shot right now. Kemba Walker can. He did last night. Hit a few of them. I, look, all I'm, but, but all I'm trying Kemba to just get had at, two games in a row yeah, where he laid zero points. So how I, can you use scoring as a reason? The last two games, and he and this and again, this goes back to a Tibbsism. Tibbs relies on longer track records. He does not rely on guys with shorter track records. The shorter your track record is, the less he relies on you. Is that a fault of his? Perhaps. Yes. Yes. I, perhaps. I, 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 and my and my point is. Listen, all I just, all I wanted to get at is like if Emmanuel quickly played five minutes in the second half and not Kemba Walker, would the can we sit here today and be like, oh well, obviously the Knicks would have won that game. Might they have won the game? Sure, they might have. It's possible. It's tie game after regulation. I don't think it's this thing of like, well, if he had done this, the Knicks would have for sure done this better. It's 
at least this type of game is so frustrating, right? Because of the fact that it is a loss and you've seen some great progress with, with some other people. Yeah. But it's also like, you're telling me that those 24 minutes of Kemba Walker in a loss mean more than giving Emmanuel quickly more than five minutes? Because I certainly don't. And in a win, you know, it's still like, it's great. They won the game. They were up by 21. I'm glad they came back and they held on. It still would have been nice to see more Emmanuel quickly, but I understand that they got the victory in the league where wins are everything. I understand. It still does not take away from the fact that the Knicks have younger players. Who are, and you're right. Maybe it could be that the front office is saying, hey, Tom, listen, we're shopping these guys. We want to show they're durable. We got Cam Reddish on the bench. We know that we need a, a role for him in some capacity because we just traded for him. I get it. I don't envy the, the role that Tibbs is in. I don't. I understand that. I understand he's dealing with politics and he's dealing with bullshit and and up, you know, he has to manage up and he has to manage down. I I am fully aware of all of that, but it feels so much worse when you see guys who are halfway out the door or so it seems getting minutes and contributing to the team losing. Right. Of course. That's it. That's the point. It it would have been nice to see these younger players. It's not even like, Hey, if he had played Emmanuel quickly, they would have won. That's not, that's not yeah. the thought. They still could have lost. And you know what? It would have sucked. But at the same time, and that's, at least I know that there are guys who are on this team, hopefully long term, that are making a difference, whether it's winning or losing, because they're, they're expanding their games. And that gets back to Tibbs' mentality of, I'm going to play every second of every minute of every game to win. And maybe that is wrong. Or maybe that is why he's been able to be so successful over the course of his coaching career, because that, above all, is what maintains accountability in the locker room. So I say that in full knowledge of the fact that the most important player on the team has seemingly not been held accountable. And I will just say, perhaps there are other reasons for that. And perhaps we will find out what those reasons are in due time. Um, look, I, I, I think we've done, I think the, we've done this one justice. Andrew, do you want to anything else on this? I don't, I really know what else to say. You're right. We have exhausted this topic. I just think, I don't know. I think with Kemba, I think with Kemba, Jeremy has a point about the pick and roll stuff. I don't fault Tibbs for what seemingly is an impossible situation, but you seem to, you seem to paint this picture of like, he's trying everything. And I don't think that's true. I think if last night he does go to Emmanuel quickly and pulls Kemba early before the lead evaporates to negative one, then it's like, you know what? You pulled the plug on Kemba because it clearly wasn't working. You went to Burks early and quickly, even though he's not shooting well, Kemba's not shooting well or defending well over the last, like, since he's come back from that injury. And you can say, you know what? You tried everything. You lost in a talent discrepancy. And what this feels like to me with, like, you can't criticize people who, when you've never done that profession, I mean, is Oz not allowed to criticize people that have directed movies? Like, I'm not saying you can't criticize. You can't, I mean, although... That's John. That's literally what you've said yeah. all season is that anytime someone criticizes Tibbs, you've never coached before is what it and seems then, like you're saying. And then there is criticize a, the players. Well, we haven't played professional basketball. Well, it's just, yeah, but we, we can see certain like, and we, the, we're saying we can see things. <laughs> and what I'm do saying is, and what I'm saying is like, it, there, it actually, you know what, if I'm being honest, there is a part of me that thinks pretty much any criticism um, is and, like, that's the frustration. That's the disconnect right there. Yes. You feel any criticism of Tibbs, which look, if you had come on last night and it was like, listen, you know, I'm a Tibbs, you know, I love Tibbs, you know, like I'm, I'm going to be in his corner no matter what. I thought he could have done a couple things differently, but let's be honest, guys, regardless, LeBron and James I, and Anthony Davis went a certain direction. And as a result, but you and I, and I didn't, and I didn't feel that way. And it's because is and, and, and it's because at the end of the day, I, I I think back to what, again, I'll lean on what Jeff Van Gundy said on this very podcast. And he talked about how, and I forget if I mentioned this last night, but if I did, I apologize. I'll mention it again about how Ewing would save their ass in so many games. Right. And he said, he said a, a comment where he was like, and he would do things that the only people in the entire universe who knew that what was going, what was really going on is me and my assistant coaches and the other team, the other coach and their assistant coaches. And a comment like that, and just like listening to Jeff Fang like you know, do these games when I just listening to coaches, retired coaches speak and whatnot, there is such a level of expertise that I personally I don't I don't feel bright enough and qualified enough. And I think about this shit every waking moment, literally, to my detriment. 
Um, I don't think I'm qualified enough to be like, no, 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 no. I, I think, I think, I, I think I have something on what, what on this, this one little thing. I don't think I'm qualified and other people think they do. And I guess, I don't know, is, is, is you want to turn this into a psychology session that makes me feel less worthy. I have no idea what you want to, what you want to paint it as, but it but hasn't that's stopped it, us from analyzing other areas of basketball. I, I, I talk we about the salary players. We see, we, we see, we have stats and numbers. There are no stats and numbers and film to quantify a head coach's performance. Who controls who the schemes that they run, the amount of minutes that they're playing, even if we want to go higher, who controls who's on the floor, who gets traded for and who gets and again, drafted we, and all and, of these things. And we, you can we say assume, that not any of it. We assume that it is as simple as it seems. One, it is not. And two, in terms of why, why Kemba Walker was on the floor and why Emmanuel quickly is not on the floor. Again, it looks simple enough to us, right? It's God, not about assumptions, though, John. I'm saying we have to we have to give the same energy that we do for all of these aspects that we would for just one. We can't just say, "Hey, because we see them on the floor, we can criticize," but we can't see the decision making in the room. And so I, we the, the the players and their performances are a product of the decision making. And if we say that, if we throw that out the window, then how can we even evaluate Tibbs? Period. How can we say he's doing good things? Oh, that's just easy. Because of his you pass? fire you fire a coach when he loses the team. But that's not again. That's, but, but that's what not Jeremy's what I'm saying is, at. how do you credit him for last year's performance and then not hold him accountable at all for this year's performance? I think he should be held accountable for this this year's performance. I think he has made mistakes, right? Okay. And I'm yes. sure he would admit. But I'm but I'm sitting here admitting that I can't even sit and 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 say 100 yes or no what those mistakes were. I'm sure looking back over the last 50 some odd games, he would analyze himself and be like, you know what? I probably would have done this differently, this differently, this differently, this differently. And that's because he is qualified to make those decisions and make that analysis. I do not feel that I am personally. But again, you can say that about the players in terms of how they're when they're on the court. It's incredibly different. This man has spent his entire life, hours upon hours upon hours. What so the fuck have the players so Julius done? Then? Yeah. They, they haven't worked their asses off to get to where they are in years of dedication and 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 every of, moment of of, tra- of course, every but calorie when I, but and when workout. I, yeah, but when I see Julius Ray, Julius Randle dogging his ass up the court and like not making an obvious pass, I could say. That's a pass he should have made. Now, is that a character judgment on Julius Randle? No, just saying he's not a very good basketball player in a certain moment. Well, you know, like no one is above criticism, but there is one thing to criticize an athlete who is doing things right or wrong that there is no mystery about. We are seeing the things that the athlete is doing right right or wrong. We have we have quantifiable data that says how many shots they are hitting, how many shots they are missing. Whereas a head coach of a of any professional team has so much that they have to deal with and so much to consider and so much that they see that we do not, to me, it is a different brand of criticism. That is that is how I feel. That is my opinion. You may have a different opinion, and that is valid. I'm just saying to justify what you guys are coming at me with, that's why I come at it. The but way it's also not evaluating the quality of the shots, for example. We can look at, you know, like if a coach isn't putting a player in the right um, way that they can thrive, then what does that say, for example? Like by that logic, you could say that David Fisdale made Marcus Morris an elite player for half of a month. And we can't stand David Fisdale. You can play it both sides. That's the point. I think you have, if you're saying that there's more context involved, then you have to include the context from the player level that the coaches are involved in. That's all I'm saying. And I think every head coach gets way too much criticism. And the ones who get praise probably get too much praise. I'm saying coaches, again, they put hours, weeks, years, decades into this stuff to be experts. Again, are some coaches like just kind of not very good at what they do? Have they maybe risen through the ranks um, for reasons that are not the best reasons? Um, Do they maybe have a certain skill set, David Fisdale, in the film room, right? But have something missing in the mix that is a necessary component to be able to be successful at the job? Absolutely. My point with Tibbs is it's a proven track record. It's a proven track record. This man is a good NBA head coach. So at a certain point, you either say, okay, he's a good coach. He hasn't lost the team. I'm going to buy in. And that's kind of where I'm at. 
That does not mean that he is a perfect coach because no coach is a perfect coach. No coach makes all great decisions. He has made poor decisions. He probably made some poor decisions last night. But I'm just saying to sit here and say, we know that this thing was the wrong decision for, for sure, based on what we're seeing. I don't. I just don't personally feel comfortable saying that. That's me. I hear I'm you. in the minority, obviously. I get it. But it's also one thing to say that, you know, Tibbs hasn't lost the, the team when we are also not in the locker room. We saw Evan Fournier, a report about Evan Fournier being frustrated about how things were handled. Who do yes, you think is likely handling them? It, it's, or it's sorry, with Kemba Walker, yes. Right, but I think that's the point. We can't say he hasn't lost the team and then turn around and well, say, well, there's so much we I, don't know about. I think, really, we, we can't do that. If, if we can't say we're not in the room with the decision makers, we can't say fine. we have a firm understanding of where the players are at. We that's just fair. simply don't know. So if we're going to say we don't know, then it has to be applicable across the board. That is fine. that is the root of the point here. It, you can blame and have it across the board. You can also say there's a lot we don't know and have it across the board. It goes fine. both ways. That's it. Fine. Last thing I'll say, I'll ask, and then we can honestly just go right to predictions and then wrap up part one. Um, Wait, hold on. Here's the game ball. RJ Barrett, congratulations. RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett game ball. <laughs> and nobody gets attention because this whole team deserves I'll, to be. I'll no, put Kemba myself Walker. in detention. Kemba Walker's fine. He can rest up. Um, I'll be. I'll, I'll. I'll watch Kemba Walker in detention. He'll take 29 days off, come back when player of the week, and we'll be right back where we started. There you go. So this is a tune change from you, I'm hearing, John, because I know how critical you were of David Fisdale. So do you now not feel qualified to criticize him or any of the decisions I, or rotations that he made? I think David Fisdale lost the team. No, and I, I think, think David, I think there was, was something about David Fisdale's approach to head coaching that there was something missing there because I don't believe you can go four and 18 and be like, okay, I, I I know what I'm doing. That said, what's the report from that season that I always refer back to is when Scott Perry and Steve Mills walked into the locker room and said, you must, you must win. Otherwise we will, we will not resign you or we will trade you and you must share the ball more. Like he was put in a, a position where I'm not sure how many coaches would have been able to be successful. I'm saying, am I saying he's a good head coach? Of course he's not a good head coach. He was missing something. There was a leadership quality that he just did not have. He was not qualified to be a head coach. Tibbs, I think is different. I think we've 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 seen proof of concept. And the last thing I'll challenge on that is the track record you're talking about. You make it seem like we're criticizing a guy with multiple championships. So are we? How could we question him? And while I do push back on like like Joe Torre got pushed out of town and Tom Coughlin got kicked out of town and multiple great coaches did get pushed out of town. Yeah, I do think there is like a ceiling with Tibbs that sure. I, right, but I it doesn't. Seem and I like agree with that. Okay, no, so I you agree are with acknowledging that. that which oh, I don't team, think a lot of people think you do. When this team wins a championship, saying. Tom Thibodeau is not going to be the coach of it. It's going to be Johnny Bryant. So why okay. is it that that this team will not already have on Tom the staff? Thibodeau yeah, because it's not it's not time yet. Okay, but if but if he's doing as well as you're saying it is, or or he is as great as a coach as you are have been talking about. I think they're still, Why pouring the that that I think they're over. still in the pouring the foundation stage. And I think he's as good a pouring the foundation coach as there is in basketball. And I think so, what we're seeing this year is not evidence that he's can't pour a foundation. I think it's evidence of some other things. And I think we're going to, I mean, I think every endless, I, I, who knows, maybe he gets fired tomorrow. I have no idea, but I think he is going to certainly last the rest of this year. I think he's going to last all of next year. And I think you're going to see next year, especially it's going to be, and look, if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If he loses the team next year, he loses the team next year, and I'll have egg on my face. I think we're going to get back to seeing the performance or the, the results, rather, that we're, we're more accustomed to when, spoiler alert, they're going to get better players. You know? I, I agree with you in the sense of I don't see him getting fired this year, at the end of the year. I don't even think he gets fired before midway through you know, his third year because that would be halfway through his contract. I, I could absolutely see a world in which, you know, we're getting towards the end of the third or you know, the third year, maybe even beginning of the fourth year, whatever it is where they, they make a change. But I think it's yeah. the point of we'll if there is a ceiling to him, then why is it that we can't talk about the reasons for that ceiling? That's all it is. That's it. Like we if, can if his ceiling over. isn't, if his ceiling isn't that Fine. of coaching an NBA championship, why well, is it that we then suddenly can't? can't? I said, but, my gut feeling is if and when that time comes, it'll be Johnny Bryant. That's my gut feeling. No, no, no. I but, hear you. I'm saying for the reason why we had this conversation. All right. That's all. Fine. Predictions? 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, congratulations, Jeremy. You're on a three-game winning streak. Thank you. I appreciate That's it. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what else is there to say? You know, I, it's know. A, I, I am sorry that you have picked the correct thing in the wrong weeks. That I know, I know, I, you but well, I couldn't have won last week, right? Because you picked one or two and they were one or two. Um, oh, that's, yeah, that's true. So what do we got? We got uh, four road games uh, at the Jazz, at the Nuggets on Tuesday night. That's Monday's, our playback? Yeah. Well, that's our when, playback? when do you want to do it? It's a nine o'clock game or a 10 o'clock game. I actually was going to say maybe the, because the Warriors will be trade deadline night. And I don't know, maybe. Well, we although we'll, be, no, we'll be a very long day. A long day like that. <laughs> it's gonna be a long day. You're right. Never mind. Sorry. Um, yeah. So our playback game is gonna be at the Nuggets on Tuesday, Warriors on Thursday, and then Blazers on Saturday. At uh, it's a 5 p.m. game. Um, Jeremy, take is yours. This is a challenge because I, I think that there's one that's very intoxicating, but there's another where I just I gotta play the middle more so as I've been doing before. So I'm going to go with one and three, but road trips are tough, especially at West. Uh, you go one and three. This is not an easy decision for me. Um, do I think that there's any chance that they beat the jazz in Utah, the nuggets in Denver or the warriors in golden state? Uh, yeah, I'll go on four. This is the correct pick. I think. Yeah. I would have taken one and three, but I, that's think, why I took one and three. I think John's going to win this. Week. I do too. And listen, yeah. I say this <laughs> concerned, <laughs> but I could also see a world. What about tag season? Not being here yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, but the Blazers just lost at home to the thunder and they are sacrificing pieces. So next week on the next film school podcast, we will find someone who knows something about AJ Griffin and talk to that person for an hour. Um, all right. Anything else before we finish up? Uh, no, just, uh, the next podcast. That should be fun. That should be fun. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in to uh, another episode of the next film school podcast. We will be uh, back uh, right away. I should already be on your feed uh, with another trade deadline podcast uh, right now. headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my patriot supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company americans trust to prepare go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com